Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. But we're going to turn to the Word of God and we're going to talk about Peter's statement from Acts chapter 2. This is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. The scriptures will be on the screen. We'll read them together in just a moment. I want to talk to you this morning about the paradox of Pentecost. Things that really don't seem to make sense. Kind of reminds me of the teacher who gave her fifth grade class an assignment to go home and ask their parents to tell them a story that had a moral and then come tomorrow and repeat that story. So they all came and they began to talk about spilled milk and pennies saved and pennies earned and that type of thing. And then the teacher realized there's one little girl who hadn't shared her story. She said, Janie, do you have a story with the moral to it? And she said, yes, ma'am, I do. My daddy told me a story about when my mama was a fighter pilot in the Marines and she was in the Gulf War. And her plane was hit and she had to bail out. All she had with her was a bottle of whiskey, her service pistol, and her combat knife. Well, on the way down, she drank the whiskey. And then when she landed, she landed in the middle of 20 enemy troops. She killed 15 of them with the pistol. She killed four more with the knife until it broke. And the last one she killed with her bare hands. The teacher said, my goodness, what could possibly be the moral of that horrible story? Well, my daddy said the moral is you don't mess with mama when she's been drinking. <laughs> Listen, I want to talk to you this morning about the power of the Holy Spirit, the new wine that's available to you and I. I want you to understand that it's possible when we leave this place that the devil will say, don't mess with them for they've been drinking. Don't mess with that bunch because they have been drinking the new wine. So I want to talk to you about the paradox of Pentecost. You'll see in Acts chapter 2 verse 13 that when the disciples, the 120, were filled with the Holy Spirit, they began speaking in other tongues they did not know, languages of other Jews that were there in Jerusalem for the Passover. And they couldn't figure out, the other Jews couldn't figure out what in the world was going on because they knew they were Galileans. They knew they didn't know their language. Yet they heard them giving praise and telling the wonderful works of God in their native tongues. So when the crowd gathered, Peter and some of them said, these men are full of new wine. They're drunk. So Peter stood up in Acts chapter 2 verse 14 and he said these words, these men are not drunk as you suppose. But this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. In the last days, saith the Lord, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And upon my servants and upon my handmaids, I will pour out my spirit, saith the Lord. And then he began to preach Jesus Christ. You see, on the day of Pentecost, when the disciples, 120, were filled, baptized with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says first, a rush, the sound of a rushing mighty wind filled the room. And then, I like the King James, it says cloven tongues of fire. In other words, set upon each one of them. And they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So this caused great confusion. 
Some thought they were drunk. They were mocking them, making fun of them. But Peter said, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. We aren't drunk, as you suppose, but rather this is the new wine. And there's the paradox of Pentecost. Pentecost is a sobriety that frees you from every other intoxicant in your life. Let's talk about those intoxicants that have the ability to chain us, control us, bring us into addiction, take us through divorce court, cause us to give up, give hope, declare the church isn't real. It's all phony, just a bunch of hypocrites. You know, that's true. There are a lot of hypocrites in the church. But there's a lot of hypocrites at the FSU Stadium. There's a lot of hypocrites at Publix. There's a whole lot of hypocrites at Walmarts. We have got to come to the place where we say no person or their actions will prevent me from finding God and all that he has for me. We've got to come to the place where we say it's more important to me to receive the power of the Holy Spirit than it is to judge those that are gathered around me. So the question is, were those 120 on that day intoxicated or were they sober? Were they drunk or were they sober? The answer to that question is yes. Yes, they were drunk and yes, they were sober. And that's the paradox of Pentecost. That's what we come to know and understand when we're filled with the Holy Ghost. So what are the things that intoxicate our lives? Sometimes it can be drugs or alcohol, which always bring death. Sometimes it can be greed, the pursuit of money, the love of money, which also, also always brings a lack of satisfaction. Sometimes it can be pride until our position is destroyed and who we are is broken down. Sometimes it can be corruption through busyness or exhaustion. We just work ourselves to death. That's called a workaholic. Sometimes that intoxicant is actually fear itself. We're filled with self-doubt. We're filled with horror or self-criticism. Sometimes that intoxicant and it's not just guys who think this way, by the way, ladies. Is bigger and more toys. You know the expression, the only difference between men and boys is the size of their toys. Maybe it's a bigger boat. A truck with a bigger lift kit on it. More guns. Oh, watch out, don't go down that road. And I'm not going to say motorcycles. Not going to say that. Sometimes it's approval. We're intoxicated by hearing praise from other people. And we want to do that and receive that, whatever it takes. But Pentecost is the sobriety that frees us from all those intoxicants. It's the power of God to change and transform our lives. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, Paul wrote, Brethren, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, that you may prove what is good, perfect, and acceptable will of the Lord. You see, we need to understand more than anything, God wants to transform us. God wants to change us. The purpose of Pentecost is that you and I might be filled with power from on high and become witnesses to Jesus Christ. You see, prior to the Pentecostal outpouring, 
prior to the Holy Spirit falling upon those 120, they were clustered in a room afraid for their own lives. Now understand, Jesus had been with them for a great period of days. They had witnessed him in his resurrection form. He had spoke to them. He had encouraged them. He had instructed them about the things of the kingdom. Yet the last thing he said is, Terry, wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. Because when you receive the promise of the Father, Acts 1.8, you'll receive power to be witnesses unto me. We say, well, I'm not sure about this baptism in the Holy Spirit. Listen, you can read it in Luke 13. Jesus said, which one of you being men would give an evil gift to your child? If they ask for bread, would you give them a stone? If they ask for a fish, would you give them a serpent? then how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Ghost to those that ask? Oh, come on, folks. You want to know why the church isn't filled with the Holy Spirit? It's because we quit asking. It's because we settled. It's because we said we don't need that. We don't want to be radical. I couldn't care less if you're radical. What I want to know is will you be a witness for Jesus Christ? Because that is the purpose of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Very quickly, I want to share with you three things about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. How Pentecost changes our lives. Number one, it changes our character. Changes our character. Acts 2.14, but Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. This was the same Peter who 50 days previously had denied Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. And the last time he didn't just deny him, he cursed him. This is the same Peter who didn't have the sand to stand up and defend Jesus Christ prior to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I think Peter was the one Holy Spirit chose to speak that day because it was Holy Spirit's way of saying, Peter, you may have jacked it up the last time, but I've got news for you. You're not going to mess it up this time. You're going to be filled with power, and the words you speak won't come from your mind, but they'll come from the mind of God and the heart of the Father, and they will pierce and they will cut and they will cause men to turn to Him. Some of you need to hear that because you messed it up. You think, I, 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 that's what you do, you stutter. I just don't know how I could ever witness of Jesus Christ. Not long ago, Celine said, all you have to do is tell your story. And that's absolutely true. Tell your story. I was launched, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I was in the miry pit, but my feet are on the rock to stay. I was hell bound, but now my destiny is heaven. I was a loser. I was a thief. I was an abuser. I was no good. I was incarcerated. But the news is when you come to Jesus, the old has gone and everything becomes new. Come on, folks. It's time to understand and realize Holy Spirit affects our character. Peter's DNA was changed with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, he was always confrontational. He was always the first to the fight. He had no problem mixing it up 
But see, God took that part of his character and he turned it around and he made it holy and righteous. So when the anger would flare up within him, it wasn't toward a person. It was toward the devil that was motivating that person. And he fought in a spiritual realm to destroy that which was motivating those who are enemies of the cross of Christ. And when he did that, 3,000 people were added to the church. The next chapter, chapter 4, says that daily people are added to the church. It says that there were about 5,000 men that were then a part of the church. See, I came to tell you this morning, it doesn't matter your failures. If you repent of them, put them under the blood of Jesus Christ, and then say, Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me power to speak for you. Peter didn't stop with one sermon. You can read Acts chapter 3, 4, and 5. He just kept preaching. And great things came happen, came, kept happening. Matter of fact, you go to Acts chapter 10, and the prejudices that he grew up with, listen to me, we're in the South. And the South isn't unique because of prejudice, but it seems to be more aware. The prejudices that Peter grew up with in Acts chapter 10, because the Jews didn't think the Gentiles could ever come to saving grace and knowledge of God. But in Acts chapter 10, Peter had a vision and he saw these unclean animals coming down on a sheet and God said to him in the vision, arise, Peter, kill an And he said, no, Lord, those are unclean. Three times this happened before he finally got the message. And as soon as the vision was over, there was a knock on the door. A messenger had been sent from the house of Cornelius, who was a Gentile. And he said, we had a vision, he had a vision that you were to come to Cornelius' house. So Peter got up and followed him. Listen, without the first vision breaking down his Jewish prejudices, he would have never went to a Gentile house. I'm here to tell you this morning that the Holy Spirit wants to destroy some of the prejudices that you have lived your entire life with. You look around and say, I don't know what you're talking about. We're in a diverse church. Well, you may be in a diverse church, but do you have any friends, close friends, that don't look like you? Uh-oh, is right. Do you have any close friends who don't look like you that you've ever invited into your home? Do you have any close friends that don't look like you that you've actually taken to a restaurant, sat together, had a meal together? Do you have any close friends that don't look like you that when they're in trouble, you're there to pray for them, encourage them, lift them up and declare the words of life over them? I'm telling you today, there are prejudices the Holy Spirit wants to tear down. Because at the cross of Jesus Christ, the only color is red. The only color is red. And it's an absolute tragedy and work of the devil that in our culture, they are doing everything in the world to divide us and to segregate us by color, by class, by creed, by language, by economic status. I'm here to tell you today, that's a lie from the pit of hell. And anytime you hear someone trying to divide people, it's not from God, it's from the devil. Because John 10, 10 says, the thief comes but for to steal and to kill and destroy. But I have come that you might have life.
Amen. That's pretty good preaching. Amen. We have got to be willing to confront those things that can destroy us. The Holy Spirit confronted those in Peter and brought transformation and change to him. Now let me talk to you about something else that deals with a character. There are people in the charismatic Pentecostal church who love the worship, love the preaching. But you're not going to get me to ask for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm standing where I don't even think that stuff's real. You're not going to make me run or shout. You're going to make me fall down. You're not going to make me do any of those things. I'm not going to talk in tongues. They've already decided what gifts of God and gifts of the Holy Spirit they will receive and accept. Oh, yeah, I want your blessing, Father. Father, I want your provision. Father, I want your healing. Father, I want to know that I'm forgiven. But don't you even go down that road of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And when the preacher does, I just turn off my hearing aids. I don't listen anymore. Listen, friend. Jesus said, you will be baptized in the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And you will receive power to be witnesses unto me. You know why you're so silent around everybody else when they're talking about uh, the things of the world and you have a word but you refuse to speak it? Because you need power, boldness, strength that comes through the Holy Spirit. Two weeks ago, we were in Arkansas City, Kansas. It was the first church I pastored. We went there in 1986, stayed until 1993. It was seven years of revival. In the first year we were there, a family who were Mormons came in. They'd been invited by the wife's sister. And when they came to church, they came a few weeks, and you know, I'm preaching and I'm watching them, and I'm thinking everything's falling on deaf ears. I know their background. But then one article call on a Sunday morning, the wife stood up and came to ask Jesus to forgive her. The next Sunday, three boys stood up and came to ask Jesus into their lives. Two weeks later, that hardened old man, and he's old now, he wasn't old then, by the name of Mike, stood up and walked an aisle, tears running down his face, and asked Jesus to forgive him of his sins. Later that year, I was leading a group to Latin America to build a church. And this family, Pam and Mike and James, their oldest son, who was 16 at the time, came with us. And I'll never forget, matter of fact, James told this story when he introduced me two weeks ago. Never forget the service where we were standing in the altar and James was standing by a young Latin American man, probably 10, 11 years old. And he heard that boy begin to speak perfect English and give worship and praise unto God. He came to me and he said, Pastor, does that boy know English? I said, I have no idea, but let's go ask his dad. His dad was the pastor. I found him. I said, does your son know English? He said he's never spoke a word of English in his life. He's never studied it in school. And you could see James's eyes just bug out. He was saying, you know what that showed me? 
That showed me that the baptism in the Holy Spirit was real and God used a 10-year-old boy to break through my prejudices, my preconceived notions, my resistance, and then fill me with the Holy Spirit. By the way, James is the pastor of that church now. He's been there 20 years as the senior pastor. Listen, folks, I'm here to tell you, God will do whatever he has to do to get your attention and to show you we need Holy Ghost power. See, the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 4 enables us to understand that God's opinion is greater than man's opinion. Holy Spirit fills us with integrity to the point we say, I'd rather be judged by you than judged by God. I'm going to do what God is asking me to do and calling me to do, regardless of what you think. You remember when David was anointed as king over Israel? Jesse brought seven of his sons and the prophet Samuel said, no, none of these are the one. Do you have any others? And what did the father Jesse say? He said, well, there's one more. He's a teenager out in the fields tending the sheep. Go get him. And when he walked in, the Bible says he was youthful with a ruddy appearance. He's a redheaded kid is what that means. And the Lord said, that's the one. And the lesson from that is that God doesn't look on the physical appearance. God's looking at your heart. Oh, come on. You may say, I can't. I'm not able. I don't have the right look. I don't wear the right clothes. I don't know how to speak properly. I've come to tell you this morning, you need to put that behind you because God's not looking on the outward appearance. God's looking on the heart. And if your heart is to hear from him and be used of him, then he is going to move you into another place. The Holy Spirit is the fire that keeps us going when Others think we should quit. We'd been here maybe two years. And someone said to me, I can't imagine why you're still here. Because there is a fire shut up in my bones. And until the Lord turns it off, I'm not going anywhere. Because this is a God-called thing, not a man-ordained thing. And I'm going to do one thing and one thing only, and that's follow God. And I don't care if it here lips the Pope. I don't care if you like it or don't like it. We're going to follow God. Acts chapter 9, the apostle Paul, the great persecutor of the church, was on the way to Damascus to arrest believers, bring them back to Jerusalem, to beat them, to jail them, to kill them. And it says a bright light shone down from heaven and stopped him, knocked him to the ground. And Paul said, who are you, Lord? And Jesus said, I'm Jesus that you're persecuting. Arise. Go to this house in Damascus, and instructions will be given to you. Three days later, a believer by the name of Ananias heard from the Lord, and the Lord said, Saul is in this house, go to him. Lay your hands on him, pray for him, then he might receive his sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And I says, hope, hold the fort. Uh Uh-uh, I know who that dude is. He's mean as a snake. He's used by the devil. He's here to arrest Christians and to kill them and persecute them. I don't want to do that. Listen to me. There are some I don't want to do that's in your life. There are some no thank you, Father. Find somebody else in your life. 
This morning, God is telling you, stand up and be a man and a woman of God. Follow him in faith and see what the Lord will do. And Ananias obeyed. He walked in and he said, Brother Saul. Now that was a big statement in and of itself. God has sent me here to pray for you that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And when he laid his hands on him, the scripture says the scales fell from his eyes. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And at that moment, a work of complete transformation occurred in that guy's life. And he began to move forward in the gifts and the calling of God. So much so that out of the 26 books in the New Testament, this guy, Paul, wrote 13 of them. Isn't that amazing? Someone that killed Christians, someone that persecuted the church, someone that hated the gospel of Jesus Christ was so radically transformed and filled with the Holy Ghost that he went on to write 13 books of the New Testament. Oh, I'm here to tell you, it's not too late for you. You haven't been too far away. It's time today to be filled with the Holy Ghost and do what God has called you to do. Number two, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, it affects our courage. Our courage, Acts chapter 5. You read the story in four, in chapter 4 that Peter and John had been put in jail because they were preaching the Word of God, the message of Jesus Christ. They got out the next morning and then defended it before the Sanhedrin and were told, don't speak anymore in this name. Then Acts chapter 5, they're back in the temple preaching Jesus again. This time they took them, they put them in prison, they guarded them, and they were going to deal with them, punish them the next day. But the Bible says that in the night, an angel of the Lord came and unlocked the prison doors and escorted them out of the prison. And they went right back to doing what they had done. They went right back to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, listen, just because somebody doesn't like it, just because someone says something bad about you, doesn't mean you stop being a witness. It means you double down. You come back again. You declare that my God will give me the power to stand against the forces of the enemy and victory will be mine it's not the first time not the only time i should say that an angel delivered peter from prison because he was there for preaching the gospel acts 12 the bible says that herod killed james the brother of john and seeing it pleased the jews he took peter and put him in prison planning to deal with him after a religious celebration he was guarded by 16 soldiers. Scripture says two were chained to him. The others were guarding the passageways and the doors. And in the night, an angel of the Lord came to Peter. Peter was so sound asleep. The next day he was going to die. His head was going to be taken off. He was so sound asleep, the angel of the Lord had to kick him to wake him up. See, that's what the peace of God does for you. Doesn't matter the turmoil, doesn't matter the chaos, doesn't matter what you're going through. He is there to keep you. And he led him out of the prison. The Bible says in Acts 12 that Peter thought this was a vision. He didn't realize it was real. And so they got outside the complete doors of the prison in the street and the angel of the Lord left. And Peter realized, oh, I'm awake. This is real. 
So he went to the house where the disciples were praying and praying for his release. And he knocks on the door. And a little girl named Rhoda came to the door. She heard his voice. She knew it was him. She got so excited, she ran back to the prayer meeting and said, Peter's at the door. Now listen, here's the key. Those praying for Peter's release said to her, that's not possible. He's not there. Sometimes we are this close to the breakthrough, to the miracle, to the provision, to the promise. And in that moment, our unbelief and our doubt rise up within us and we back away. But it says Peter kept knocking. And finally they came and opened the door and realized their prayers were answered. He was delivered. Oh, someone hear me today. When you're living in the power of the Holy Ghost, you don't stop this far short. You press in until you receive all that God has to offer. When I read those stories and those accounts, <clears throat> it causes me to realize that the same God appeared in behalf of Peter and John that provided a ram in the bush for Abraham that spared the life of his son. The same God that brought Daniel from the lion's den and the three Hebrews from the fire is the same God who appeared to the New Testament church. We need to understand today that it's time to seek the power of the Holy Ghost in this evil day and in this evil time. Because when we do, the same God shows up. The same God proves himself. The same God that parted the Red Sea for Moses will come to you and to your aid and to your help. The same God that gave Esther favor before the king and saved the Jews in that area will come to help you as well. The same God who gave David courage to pick up five smooth stones out of a brook and face a giant with a spear and a sword and say, you come to me, I come to you in the name of the Lord God most high. And today I'm going to kill you. It's time to let that same God God move in our life. Too many times, the power of culture causes us to cower. May I tell you that everything you're hearing in the media, in the news, in the politicians, is based on a lie found in the pit of hell and destined to destroy humanity. We've talked about the things that are happening around us. We've talked about the evil devices Satan is using through man to promote his agenda of destruction. But a couple of weeks ago, I was so blown away at how far and how deep the deception is for so many people. Listen, the people pushing this stuff aren't stupid. They just believe a lot of things that aren't true. We need to understand that. And I was blown away when Stacey Abrams, who's the governor candidate in Georgia, actually made the statement, there's no such thing as a fetal heartbeat at six weeks. It's a manufactured sound to let men control women's bodies. 
Isn't it amazing that the same people who two years ago said follow the science now are ignoring the science? It's all about an agenda birthed in the pit of hell that the, the end game is to destroy humanity. And it's been going on a long time. The church is now waking up to it. Started in 1962 when prayer and Bible reading were taken from the schools by a Supreme Court decision. Continued in 1973 when the Supreme Court upheld Roe v. Wade and said abortion on demand is available across these 50 states. Praise God that was overturned in 2022 and that issue was returned to the states. Amen. It continued in 2016 when the Department of Education said, you've got to let students or people use any bathroom they want to use. They identify by who they think they are, not who they are. Have you ever stopped to think about that? Someone says, well, I think I'm a man when really I was born a woman. What level of deceit and insanity is involved in that? It's evil to the very core. And our government wants to fund surgeries to allow young kids and teenagers transition from male to female or female to male. God help us. I've come to tell you today that we live in a day and a time that is as evil as any day or time that's ever been present on planet Earth. And it's time for the church to wake up, stand up, be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, and not back down. We need people of courage who speak for God. People like Peter and John that say, you can beat us, you can throw in jail, you can threaten to take our head, but we are not going to stop telling the truth. Come on, God wants to make you a truth teller today. And last number three, the power of the Holy Ghost. This baptism affects our community, those around us. Acts chapter four. The Bible says that because of the persecution in Jerusalem, the 120 and those who had believed scattered. They went back to their hometowns. Philip went to Samaria. And verse five says of Acts chapter eight, he preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed. And many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And verse 8, and there was great joy in the city. There was great joy in the city. We need to understand that when we do what we're called to do, when we're full of the Holy Ghost, there may be resistance, but there's also going to be reception. There may be those who reject Christ, but there are also those who are waiting to accept Christ. And it's up to you and I to be bold enough, strong enough, courageous enough, be filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can speak the right words to them. Or can we, as many in the contemporary church have done, continue to ignore the fact that every hour, 10,000 people perish into a devil's hell? Can we continue to ignore the fact, as many do, that one-third of the world 
has never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, God said to Ezekiel in Ezekiel 22.30, He's looking for a man. He said, I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Tom, come back. Oh God, don't let it be said of all nations, church, that you looked for a man, a woman, a student among us to stand in the gap, to build the wall, but there was no one there. Don't let that be said of us. Today, fill us with the fire and the power of the Spirit of God. Stand with me across this room. You're here this morning. First and foremost, and I prayed for you before I began this message. And I prayed that you would be convicted of your sins and that you would ask Jesus to forgive you today. And that you would leave this place transformed, a new creature. Not like you came in, but changed by the power of God. I prayed for you. Holy Spirit has done his job. He's convicting you right now. And that's you. Wherever you're at, across this room, on the floor, in the risers, online with us, wherever you're at right now, just come. Respond to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. Step out, be a man, be a woman of courage, and come and receive forgiveness today. Come right now. He's talking to you. He's drawing you. He's been working on you this entire service. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Step out and come. Second, you're in this room and you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit. Today is the day that you put aside all prejudices, all preconceived notion, all improper doctrine. And you step out and you say, Father, I want to receive your gift. And listen, we don't seek a sign. We seek the gift. And the gift is Holy Spirit. Step out and come right now. You want to be filled baptized with the Holy Spirit just like the 120 were. Step out and come. Third, you're in the room today and you need to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. You need a fresh anointing. That's you. Step out and come. You made it to the end of the message and now what? Is God leading you to make a change? Are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ? then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sharer Road in Tallahassee, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Sunday morning service is at 10.30 and Wednesday night service at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.